Duty is defined as a task that one is required to perform, a responsibility, a legal responsibility. You are owed a duty by others at all times, whether a sole person or a huge corporation. You are owed a duty to be safe from negligent, careless, intentional acts that cause you serious damage, death, permanent injury, catastrophic loss. Others have caused a breach, a breach of the duty due you and yours. Your only recourse is to pursue a legal claim. It is impossible to turn back time so that the injury and damage did not occur. Monetary compensation is the only alternative, both to compensate you for your loss but also to confirm the conduct of the wrongdoer. Motor vehicle accidents, slip and fall injuries, assault, dangerous products, workplace injuries, animal bites, defamation, these are a portion of the wrongs that are inflicted on you and yours. Upsitnik and Associates can make the difference. Al Upsitnik has litigated, tried, and settled injury claims throughout the United States in his home state of Pennsylvania, but also New York, Maryland, and Alaska, just to name a few. When duty is breached, contact Opsitnik and Associates to make things right. For you, for yours. Contact them toll-free, 1-866-391-3299, or visit them on their Facebook page, Opsitnik and Associates, or their website, OpsitniksLaw.com. See the links in the description below for more information. Hello, everybody, and Hoppy Easter. You're not going to give me anything? Oh, okay, there it is. Yeah, exactly. I told you I was going to lead off with a pun. <laughs> anyway, yesterday, as you're listening to this, was Easter Sunday, and we hope the Easter Bunny visited you and gave you all sorts of lovely treats. And I thought, let's take a look, kind of like what we did with the uh, with St. Patrick's Day and uh, before that Valentine's Day, the holiday history of it. And you were not raised particularly religious, correct? Nope, I'm a dirty, dirty heathen. Of course you are. <laughs> we're all going to hell and you're coming with us. Yeah, basically. But I was raised... Roman Catholic, so, you know, the whole Easter thing was drilled into me. Mm. And for the non you know, the... And because it is a secular holiday, even though a lot of the more modern traditions are celebrated by people, you know, not necessarily of the Christian faith... Yeah. Figured just, we'll go through it real quick, talk about, you know, where it came from, the back, you know, the backstory... Basic backstory is this Easter Sunday was the day that after the crucifixion in the Bible they said Jesus rose from the dead. Yeah. And I I'm assuming you probably knew that. Yes. Yeah. And, and that's about as far as I got. Well, I mean, really that's the gist of it. And you know, then there's Lent, which I don't know if you've heard of, but Lent is the forty day period that ends on Easter Sunday, and that's, you know, when people, you know, they make their promises to give up something for Lent, like, I'm not going to eat meat on Fridays, etc., etc., etc. And it's supposed to be the time when Jesus spent 40 days in the desert being tempted by the devil and refusing all the temptations. And that 
and then not only do we have the 40 day period lead up we have the 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 holy week which leads up to it starts on palm sunday and the palms represent jesus triumphant entry into jerusalem and you said you know when you were in your younger days you did volunteer at a catholic church yeah just purely out of sort of curiosity at that point you know i was sort of younger going through you know the various experimental phases and so i volunteered at a catholic church and one of the days i came in was after palm sunday and being you know not catholic i had no idea and it just was crazy you know going in and i'd never seen the church so messy well and obviously and when they explained it to you did it make more sense or not really uh well they didn't it's the you know there was like one little nun who would be there at that point you know and she was busy with other things just went in and cleaned up the palm fronds yeah pretty much i was pretty much just left on my own with a little tiny broom yeah and then the so the the day after holy monday is when jesus cursed the fig tree and cleansed the temple upon his authority being questioned and you said what what did the fig tree ever do to jesus i actually don't know i mean or fig newtons yeah i mean i never really dug that heavily into the bible you know i've read through it but it was a long time ago just probably something to do with temptation or other oh could be and then holy tuesday jesus predicts his own death Holy Wednesday is the day that Judas arranges the betrayal of Jesus. Mm. Now, this one, I don't know, is it, I'm guessing Maundy Thursday, M-A-U-N-D-Y? I guess, yeah. Yeah, I've never heard it called that, but that refers to the Last Supper. Uh, Good Friday was the crucifixion of Jesus. Holy Saturday is basically the day in between the death and the resurrection. Mm. And that's when a lot of the uh, the Catholics will have their... Uh, midnight mass to celebrate the vigil and then he rose on uh, easter sunday so that takes care of the religious background is it actually at midnight yeah they actually do have midnight mass or well i don't know how they're doing it in the um you know the virtual world yeah but you know did but you when i was growing have... up yeah they did have a lot of midnight masses that started at midnight that's kind of cool like it would be cool to be out that late when you were a kid yeah like they would have midnight masses for the big holidays easter christmas all that kind of stuff Mm. but you know that was where it all started and that's all that but let's move up to the stuff that we all know and are more familiar with if you're not if you weren't raised catholic yeah and that would be the more modern easter traditions so, candy, candy, candy. Well, let's start with the candy. Mm. Now, you know, in doing the research, I had a feeling this was true, but it was um, that Easter is the second most popular candy buy. Or I'm going to assume candy buying day in the U.S. Yeah. Right behind Halloween. I thought it would have been maybe tied with or behind Valentine's Day. Uh. But... I don't know. I'm actually not surprised just because Valentine's is kind of something that, you know, only people with a significant other celebrate, whereas Easter, you know, pretty much everybody 
you know, Christian or not celebrates it, especially kids. Anything to do with kids is going to be a monster sales day. Oh, God, yeah. For candy you and know. whatnot. And that's why there's <laughs> there's chocolate everythings. Yeah. Each kid gets, you know, $50 worth of candy. Right. Exactly. And, you know, what's the biggest one? It's still, I guess, the chocolate egg. Yes. Is probably the big one. And, you know, the eggs have been around... You know, for a long time, I think ancient times, they looked at them as, you know, the form of, for, you know, maybe fertility or emergence, rebirth, mm. as it were. And so they've just kind of adopted that. Yeah. You know, and like a lot of, you know, the the secular holidays, they did borrow heavily from, you know, the quote unquote old pagan traditions. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the pagans used a lot of the eggs in their spring festivals so taking that you know the fertility and the rebirth they took the catholics took that and said hey you know we can have the egg symbolize the resurrection and emergence from the tomb that makes sense it does and i thought this was really interesting because i remember when we after we did the saint patrick's day one you said hey let's do easter because i want to know about the easter bunny yeah you know, well, we're going to get to said Mr. Easter Bunny. Uh, Was it a conspiracy after all? Maybe. <laughs> the Illuminati. Yeah, exactly. But uh, now when you, let's look, when you were a kid, did you guys do any Easter stuff? Yeah, we would do little Easter egg hunts just, you know, as a family. And then, you know, I've always done them for Hunter. Yeah. Did you guys actually do, like, the coloring of the Easter eggs? We did a few times, but not sort of every year. You know, it's a kind of a messy sort of thing to do with kids. Oh, it definitely is. But before I get into that, do you happen to remember, did you get the egg coloring kits? I think a few times, yeah. And I remember, uh, you know, my parents trying to empty, you know, real eggs doing the little pin in the egg and then letting it drain. Oh, God. Did that ever work? It does. It's just really slow. You kind of have to do it, I think, pretty much like the evening before and just let it drain and dry and everything. So rather than just cook them, they would just drain them? Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Hmm. I never did that. We always just hard-boiled them. Oh, interesting. Um, and then it was always the... Never knew how to pronounce it. Paws? P-A-A-S? Um. They were the egg kits, and it came with, like, the little tabs that you mix with vinegar and water. <laughs> the little wire thing that you dunk the egg in, which broke about halfway through it, so you use your fingers. Yeah, exactly. And then that weird little wax crayon that you would write stuff on the egg, so, you know, it would just coat it with wax so it wouldn't take the dye. <laughs> but... Uh, What's up? I think we just I think we just used Crayola paint kits and things. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, hey, actually, that's a good segue. You know, back to the notes. Uh, the actual, the decorating of the eggs. Hmm. You know, you'd think that's a more modern thing. I found that went back to the 13th century. Oh, which is interesting. Yeah, and uh, I guess it was because, you know, during Lent... You know, Lent was always a thing, even back then. Uh, they were one of the forbidden foods. 
So people, just to kind of, you know, keep them in the forefront and all that, they would actually paint and decorate them. Neat. You know, so back in probably 1200s Europe. Yeah. And then to mark the end of Lent, and then they would eat them on Easter. Mm. Now this one, I'd never actually heard of. Did you ever hear of the White House Easter egg roll? No. I never did either, but apparently it's, I mean, it's not happening this year because of the, it didn't happen last year or this year because of the pandemic. Yeah. But apparently it's legitimately a giant festival on the south lawn of the White House. Mm. And, you know, people come in and participate in like egg hunts and, you know, egg rolling apparently is the big thing. And it went back to, I looked it up, 1878 when one of your favorite president names. Yeah. Rutherford. Rutherford B. Hayes hosted the very first White House Easter egg roll. And then you can actually Google it. It is a thing. And they were talking about how it was canceled this year. I knew they did an egg hunt on the lawn just because, you know, I've seen the, the pictures for little kids and things. But I didn't know about the actual sort of rolling. And yeah, I never did either. Uh, yeah, I knew they did the egg hunt and they, you know, the little candy giveaway and the various things they do. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I never heard of the White House Easter egg roll. <laughs> Which just sounds kind of awesome. I mean, is it like around a track? Is it a race? I don't know. I yeah. mean, if anybody out there knows, I'm very curious to know what the White House Easter egg roll is all about. Yes. But um, obviously, there is no anything religious based in that one. No. But naturally the peop there are the the people that claim that it's the symbolizing the rolling of the tomb the rock in front of the tomb and it's like, all right, you're pushing it a little bit now. <laughs> good PR, that's good enough. Yeah. And actually speaking huh? of the egg hunt. Mm. Which this one actually I never knew either. What's that? Uh the Easter egg hunt goes back to sixteenth century Germany. Mm. And here's a name you should know. Martin Luther? Yes. Yes, he of the Protestant Reformation. He actually would organize egg hunts for the people in the congregation. Oh. So him and the other men would hide eggs and let the women and kids go find it. Yeah. And this was a nod to the Bible because in the Bible it was actually... I can't remember who, but I know it was a couple women that were the ones that discovered Jesus' tomb had been emptied. So, there you go. The Easter egg hunt, going back hundreds of years. Oh, it wasn't Cadbury? No, that the Easter egg hunt wasn't Cadbury, no. So no. You, guys did, you guys did the Easter egg hunt. Yeah. Did you go out, like, just hide them out in the yard... Yeah, and just sort of around the house and things. They do them, you know, locally too at like parks and things, but I don't think we ever did that. Um, well, when you do it in the house, do you guys, because we, we did both, did you do the actual eggs or did you do the plastic eggs that you filled up with like jelly beans or, you know, we put like quarters and stuff in there? A bit of both. Uh, you know, when he was really little, it would be little chocolate eggs and then... What I found actually he liked more was to get like a Lego set and then break it up into, you know, 
just piles of parts and then put a few parts in each plastic egg. And so at the end you would have like a full Lego set. That's a cool idea. Uh, you know, just because he gets candy kind of a lot, you know, we've never been a, a home where it's like, you know, candy once a year. So it's not super special to him. Right. You know, whereas getting like a Lego set or something like that was, you know, more rare. Which is actually kind of cool though. Yeah, and it sort of, and then it would give us something to do. We could build the Lego set together at the end. Right, I was just going to say, and then at the very end of it, you know, mm-hmm. wrap it up with uh, building a little Lego set. Exactly. Yeah. But and th- this is actually the good part about doing this is I learned all kinds of stuff mm. you know, about the chocolate eggs, da da da, and then the jelly bean. Yeah, I didn't know that about the jelly bean. So I'm reading on your notes that. They're kind of there because they look egg-shaped. Yeah, I think that's basically why the jelly bean really became popular for Easter. It's because it kind of is shaped like an egg and real easy to just kind of shift over. Yeah, and they're sort of colorful and tasty. Yeah, and they they were, you know, it was in the 30s that uh, they really started to become popular in Easter, although jelly beans as a thing, have been around for hundreds of years. Hmm. You know, before they took the bean form, I think, what was it? Uh, I think the if you trace it back long enough, you can trace the lineage of the jelly bean back to the old Turkish delight, I think. Which I don't know if you've ever had. Ah, here's one that, yeah, they are, they're good. Here's one that I, you and I were both surprised at, being from Pennsylvania. What's that? Yourself. Well, yeah. That... Yeah, that Peeps came from there in the 1950s. See, that I did not know. Yeah, which is crazy because they're pretty famous. Yeah, the Marshmallow Peep originated in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, ironically enough. I was going to say, I guess after steel, you do what you can. Well, not just that, but, you know, Bethlehem, the birth of Jesus. Oh, yes, that too. Yeah, I but... just think it's amusing that they were, you know, Bethlehem was one of the former massive steel. Right, exactly. Know, and even back then, they were still a pretty big steel powerhouse. So apparently steel and marshmallows. Yeah, steel and peeps. And actually, there is a pretty big candy industry outside of Hershey out in eastern Pennsylvania. Mm. That's true. But, uh, but and... back in the day, they were just, you know, the regular yellow sugar-covered marshmallow chickens. Mm. And now, we were talking before, you're a Peep fan. Yeah, but they didn't arrive in my area up in the Pacific Northwest of Canada until pretty recently. Like, they were not, uh, I don't remember them from childhood. I remember sort of as I got older, hearing about them, you know, especially once the internet came in and sort of social media even. So you're looking at sort of early 2000s and just, you know, every Easter you'd see Americans posting about peeps. Right. And it was sort of like, what the hell is this peep thing that Americans are are just... peeps and uh, why do we not have them? Yeah, what are these peep things that Americans are just obsessed with? And then they finally started to show up. So obviously the first ones you got were just the standard yellow little chicken peeps with the chocolate eyes. Yeah, we finally saw them in a store, and it was like, oh my god, we have peeps here now. So you bought the peeps, and you're like, yep. Yeah, exactly. They're really nice. Much nicer than just sort of, you know, played marshmallows. Well, exactly. It's like, how do we make a marshmallow, which is pure sugar, worse for you? 
<laughs> yes, but I, I shouldn't. I shouldn't hate on them. I do like peeps when they're fresh, but when they're when they dry out, they remind me of circus peanuts, and that's something for another show. Oh yeah, you can't have them then. But and my you know, intense wonder. hatred of circus peanuts. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and now they're you know they're pretty easy to find here. Yeah, pretty easy to find in all kinds of different flavors. You said you had the cotton candy ones up there. Yeah, I think just once, and then uh, when we were at the store just a week or two ago, they had uh, blue and yellow ones out for Easter. Yeah, they're going to start coming out. We have a lot of different flavors now. I know, like I said, last year I got uh, pancakes and syrup. Mm. Or not last year, the year before at some point. Yeah. Then they have, I think they did a run with, um, they did like orange crush ones and root beer ones, kind of like the Twizzlers did. Yeah. There you go. So thank you, Pennsylvania. Marshmallow Peeps back in the 50s. Tasty, tasty. Uh, Did you, now up in your area, do you guys ever have a parade on Easter? I, they might. I don't think we do. You know, if we do, it's very muted. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there was always, like, little parades. You would hear about the hear about them in the bigger cities i can't remember ever actually seeing one but Mm. you know the easter parade is one of the big ones yeah and as weird as it looks new york city another parade thing Mm. uh goes back to the mid 1800s and this made me laugh when i read it yeah it was for easter sunday the upper crust you know the ultra elite of new york yeah. You know, so you're talking the big money. <laughs> they would all go to church, and all the churches were on Fifth Avenue in those days. Yeah. Or not all of them, but a lot of the high-end ones. Mm. And so they would go to their son. They would go to Easter service, and then they would come out, but they would always wear, like, the newest and latest and best fashion with the big hats, you know, <laughs> and the, the colorful dresses and suits and they would show off they would literally show off to each other and as they would leave they would be walking around where the parade aspect came from is when the regular people of new york (laughs) the unwashed masses yes the unwashed masses as it were showed up to watch these people (laughs) walking around oh my like legitimately that's where it came from was you know, regular, you know, the lower classes of New York watching the ultra-rich parading around in ridiculous Sunday church clothes. Now you don't even have to wait for Easter to see that. Exactly. Now you can just go to any big box store and you can see that. Yeah, exactly. Any day of the year. Wally world. Yeah. And then, you know, after that, uh, I saw this in the little article, 1948, the movie... Easter Parade comes out. I've never actually seen it. Mm. But the fact that it was um, Fred Astaire and Judy Garland, with the music of Irving Berlin, by the way, Mm. uh, lends me to believe what kind of movie it is. And by that point, Easter Parade had already been entrenched in society. Yeah. Just as it still is, although unfortunately it's not just a parade of people in fancy clothes. No, not anymore. All right. Well, let's move on uh, to another thing. Did you, you guys had, would do like an Easter dinner kind of thing? Yeah. 
what was your usually what would you usually eat on Easter? Uh, usually something a bit nicer. So sometimes it was it would be like lamb chops. Sometimes it would just be like ham, you know, a nice ham or something like that. Yeah, those were the two that we always had. It was either lamb or ham. Yeah, <laughs> lamb or ham. The one time I think we had them both, so I said it was lamb ham. <laughs> but no, and the Easter lamb. Ha ha! See my mm-hmm. smooth segues from our regular chat back to the notes? Like a moose on ice. Thank you. It's cow on skates. Mm. But, um, no, I mean, it makes sense, you know, because the Christians often refer to Jesus as the Lamb of God. Yeah. Uh, and it makes sense. But actually, it goes back to the old, you know, the early Passover ceremonies. Hmm. Um,. You know, reading the Bible in Exodus, the uh, the Jewish people of Egypt especially were, in the Bible, blighted with these horrible plagues. You know, and uh, I think one of the big ones was the death of the firstborn son. And because the lamb was so special to them and so sacred to them, they would actually paint the doorposts of their houses with lamb's blood so that God would pass over, I, I'm being serious, would pass over their house and not plague them. Well, I mean, it makes sense that a lot of the names, you know, that we know them as are just basically shorthand versions of describing a ritual. Oh, yeah. And and then, obviously, you know, you're just coming, because Easter's a spring holiday, so you're just coming off of uh, the long, the very long winter, so lamb is probably some of the first meat you're going to get. And I... Do you like lamb? Now and then. It's not my favorite kind of meat. Yeah, and I think the thing is, for me, it's like duck. It has to be cooked properly. Yeah. Now, this one, I'm sure that a lot of people were going to say, how could you not know this one? I never heard of the Easter lily tradition. Mm, I haven't either. Um, I mean, I haven't been to a church in a very long time. Mm. But I really don't remember anything about the lilies. I'm sure, you know, if I asked my parents or something, they probably remember. Mm. But, uh, weirdly, and again, it all goes back to the rebirth thing. Because uh, lilies are actually Japanese plants by origin. Mm. They came to England in 1777. Actually never came to the U.S. until about World War One. Mm. So you're looking, you know, early 1900s. Yeah. And, you know, because they're a bulb plant. Yeah. You know, they sprout up from a dormant state. Once again, resurrection, rebirth, reblooming. So. It's inter- yeah, it's interesting because usually the flowers, at least here, that kind of are associated with spring, maybe not necessarily Easter, of course, tulips, daffodils. Yeah, it's like the, the bulb plants because tulips are bulbs. Yeah. Yes, rebirth. Mm-hmm. But the one you were most curious about. Yes. The Easter Bunny. Yeah. So, as I was looking through the Bible, mm. no, there was no, you know, obviously there's no mention of that anywhere in the religious thing, so it had to be cooked up by someone somewhere. Yeah. Problem is, as of right now, nobody is 100% sure who or where. Yeah. And... That's unfortunate, but they they do have the um, one theory, 
and this is again why we love history. Exactly. Because as at the moment we're recording this, we have a theory. Mm-hmm. And um, in two days, it could be completely different. Yeah. But the theory is it started with the, the German immigrants that came over and settled Pennsylvania, who would, you know, become the Amish. Yeah. You know, the Pennsylvania Dutch. And they had, in Germany, they had a tradition, apparently, which I never heard of, an egg-laying hare known as Osterhaas. Yes. So, Oster, I guess, would be reminiscent of Esther, the Germanic spring goddess. Yeah. So, I guess Osterhaus would be Easter rabbit? Yeah. Or spring rabbit? But anyway, so apparently, from what I'm reading, and we don't know if it's true, but it sounds possible, they bring the tradition over to the U.S., and part of the tradition in Germany, I guess, the children would actually make nests for this Hmm. fabled Osterhaas to come and lay the colorful eggs. Interesting. And I guess people, you know, going by the... You know, the German immigrants' villages caught on to the tradition and it spread like wildfire. Interesting. All right, I got one to add for you. All right, what do you got? So, have you heard of the Easter Bilby? The Easter Bilby? Yes. I cannot say that I have. What is the Easter Bilby? So, in Australia, from what I understand... They don't really I like, like this already, just so you know. Yeah. Uh, Australia has a huge problem with feral rabbits. They actually built a fence, like, across the entire thing to keep, you know, some of the rabbits out. Yeah. Um, so, you know, rabbits, they're not particularly interested in giving chocolate rabbits to, you know, to kids. So instead that makes they, sense. I never actually, I never even pieced that, I never even thought about that. So instead, they started the Easter bilby, and a bilby is a little Australian marsupial. It looks kind of like a little mouse. Is that the thing? Yeah, I was going to say, it looks like a mouse, but it has the real long snout. Yeah, sort of real long snout, really uh, little rabbit ears. Yeah, 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 okay. I know what those are. I think it's quite small. Yeah. So uh, they started using those also as... Uh, from what I understand, bilbies are endangered, so it was sort of twofold, you know, they didn't have to kind of have chocolate rabbits, and they raised awareness of bilbies. I think it's a good idea. Yeah. Uh, and I think a lot of the money that uh, the chocolate manufacturers raise goes into bilby conservation. That's cool. Yeah, so I was reading, and it looks like in 2003, funds from the sale of chocolate bilbies were used to create a 20-kilometer-long predator-proof fence in one of their national parks. Nice. You know, so that's... But it was sort of entertaining, you know, that uh, rabbits kind of have such a negative, you know, stigma in Australia that they've created their own... Well, and I guess that's... That's another thing that you can kind of look, you know, think maybe that's why they grabbed onto it for this festival. Mm. You know, because going back to the ancient days, everybody knew that the rabbits were very prolific at uh, procreating. (laughs) 
So they've <laughs> always, I guess, even back to the ancient days, they've always been looked at as signs of like, you know, fertility and rebirth. Bunny's gonna honey. <laughs> Something. Not, <laughs> now I want a chocolate bilby. Yeah, exactly. Well, next year, 2022, hopefully they ship to the United States and Canada. Exactly. Well, they'll ship to you because you're a fellow territory. Yeah, Commonwealth. Yeah, six of one. <laughs> yeah, so I just thought that was kind of entertaining. Yeah, I'd never heard of that, but that's basically, you know, it. I, I know it's not exactly glamorous, but, you know, and I was talking to my dad and he was like well why are you talking about you know such a secular holiday it's like well because it is a secular holiday but it's celebrated by a lot of people well that's it i mean it's kind of like christmas you know christmas obviously yeah it's very secular holiday yet it's celebrated the world over yeah you know and even if you don't celebrate it you you know you know of it yeah you know, you don't have to be Christian to celebrate, you know, Christmas. It's just that you leave out the religious part and just buy everybody TVs. Right. <laughs> TVs? You remember, uh, like, a oh, decade... Oh, yeah, the stocking stuffer, yes. Yeah, that a 50-inch TV was being considered a great stocking stuffer. Yeah. Has to fit in the stocking to be a stocking stuffer, guys. But, I, you know, I guess I can see it, though. Yeah. You know, and it's because it's fun. You know, I think that's what it is. Yeah. It's it's a holiday that stemmed from, you know, what was a traumatic event mm-hmm. to kids rolling eggs on the White House lawn and looking for, you know, hidden eggs and eating chocolate bunnies. Well, that's it, you know. Yeah, it's basically kind of a, you know, if you're not celebrating the the religious aspect, yeah, it's just fun. You know, you take your kids out, you do Easter egg hunts for them, you decorate eggs, and everybody eats a lot of sugar. Exactly. Everybody eats a lot of sugar, and, you know, it's just a day to spend with the family. Yeah. Which is cool. Exactly. And especially a day in the outdoors, unless you live anywhere near where I live, because... <laughs> You know, we're actually recording this in the early morning on technically Easter Sunday. Exactly. But it snowed two days ago. Of course it did. You know, it was 72 degrees two days before that, and we had a winter storm warning. Hmm. Welcome to spring in upstate New York. Exactly. But in any event, yeah, so that's what it is. Easter, you know, started off as the celebration of the death and resurrection of Jesus in the Bible, you know, then kind of borrowed from a spring holidays Mm. and just really spiraled into pretty much a global thing. Yeah. It's even invaded the horror realm. Yeah, God. Oh, come on. You knew we were going to talk about it. You are far too excited to talk about this. And my pun was bad. Mm. There aren't, shockingly, there actually aren't many Easter horror movies that I've seen. Mm. The only one I can really think of is good old Easter Bunny Kill, 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 or is it Two Kills? Mm. Other than that, (laughs) not really. Or you could just go watch the old uh, Night of the Lepus. Yes. You were waiting for that one, weren't you? Oh, that one's a great one. Oh. 
So there you go. That's our recommendation. You can probably find it somewhere on the internet. It's an old sci-fi movie from, what, yeah. 70-something? Yeah, I think so. Early 70s. Which one of the Star Trek guys was in it? Uh, God, I can't remember. Uh, Bones, maybe? Probably. <laughs> uh, but in any event, it's about a killer rabbit. Or you could just watch Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yeah, exactly. But until then... You guys doing anything for Easter? Probably not this year. I think just gonna let it pass quietly. Like everything else, unfortunately. Exactly. So for that, keep an eye out for the Easter Bunny, but remember, do not domesticate him because rabbits do not make good pets. No. <laughs> I can say that from experience. Yes, and there's a story behind that, but for now, we're gonna have to cut this one short and go look for our Easter baskets. So, until then, I'm Zach. Hey. And we'll catch you later.